to him. Esau and Jacob are being reunited after all these years. And Esau asks them why he sent all these herds of flocks and, and, and animals, offerings ahead of him. So why do you, what do you mean by this? Jacob said, these are to find grace in the sight of my Lord. I have enough, my brother, Esau said. Keep what is yours for yourself. We're going to have a little bit of argument about here about whether or not Esau is going to accept the offerings offered by Jacob. No, I pray you, said Jacob, if now I have found grace in your sight, then receive my present at my hand. For I have seen your face as though I had seen the face of God and you were pleased with me. Look at the eloquence of Jacob. He says to Esau, the brother who he was afraid of, the brother who he had tricked, the brother who he thought was going to kill him, he says to him, I have seen your face as though I had seen the face of God and you were pleased with me. Take, I pray you, the gift that was brought to you because God has dealt graciously with me and I have enough. He urged him and Esau took it and said. So finally Esau gave in and accepted the offering with the present which Jacob offered to him. So Esau said, let us go and start our journey. I will go before you. My Lord knows, said Jacob, that children are tender and I have the care of ewes and milking cows with their young. Should they be overdriven, every, even one day all the flocks will die. Let my Lord, I pray, go ahead. Is calling Esau his Lord? Although in the blessing given to him by Isaac, remember Isaac said that he would be Lord over his brother, but Jacob is is expressing extreme humility, perhaps just to appease his brother, perhaps out of true humility and regret for the fact that he had tricked his brother. Regardless, it is very important to note the eloquence with which he speaks and the way that he is making peace with his brother. We need to learn from that because we are all in situations at times where we have to make peace with other people. We need to borrow some of this eloquence from Jacob. Let my Lord, I pray, go ahead before his servant, and I will follow softly and step with the cattle before me, and according to what the children are able to endure, until I come to my Lord in Seir. Esau said, Then let me leave with you some of the men that are with me. He's offering to leave some men to help. What need is there, said Jacob? Just let me find grace in the sight of my Lord. Jacob's saying, Look, I don't need anything except your love and your acceptance. So Esau departed that day on his way to Seir, and Jacob went to Shalem, which is the land of Canaan, and he pitched his tent outside of the city. He bought the parcel of land where he had spread his tent for 100 pieces of money. Therefore, what do you think he did? Like his father Isaac, like his father Abraham, like Noah, And like all his descendants, he erected an altar and called it Eli Eloha Israel, 
Elohi Israel. This is really the last we hear in the Holy Scriptures, for the most part, about Esau. All we know is that this reconciliation took place and there was no longer any threat of harm or fear of being murdered or attacked by Jacob, and he was allowed to go on with his life. And Esau apparently had been blessed by God as well. He'd become a great man. And uh, so that's sort of the end of this episode with Jacob and Esau. From this point on, the history of the, of the nation of Israel is going to center around Jacob and his 12 sons. Now, Jacob dwelt in the land where his father had been a stranger, in the land of Canaan. His son Joseph, now a strong and healthy lad, daily fed the flock with all his brothers, the sons of his father's wives, and Joseph brought his father an evil report of them. Joseph was the next to the youngest. Benjamin was the very youngest, but Joseph was the next to the youngest, and he was highly favored by Jacob and Rachel, and he was tattling on his older brothers. We don't know exactly what they did, but we can imagine that it was something pretty scandalous. So Joseph was telling on his brothers. Now it says, Jacob loved Joseph more than all his sons because he was a son of his old age. Joseph came really late in life. Remember, Rachel was barren for a long time and finally was able to give birth to Joseph and then to Benjamin. So Jacob loved Joseph because he was the son of his old age, so he made for him a coat of many colors. When his brothers saw that their father loved Joseph more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak to him in a friendly way. So Joseph dreamed a dream and told it to his brothers, and they hated him all the more. He said to them, Hear now this dream which I have dreamed. We were in the field binding sheaves, and lo, my sheaf arose and stood upright. And your sheaves stood around about and bowed down to my sheaf. Sheaf is a collection of wheat that's been put together in a bind and tied together in a big bundle. Then his brother said to him, Would you indeed be king over us? Would you really rule over us? They hated him all the more on account of his dreams and on account of his words. He dreamed another dream and told it to his brothers. Behold, I have dreamed another dream, he said. The sun, the moon, and the eleven stars bowed down to me. He told the dream to his father, and his father rebuked him, saying, What is this dream you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers really come to bow ourselves down to the earth before you? In other words, the, the implication of the dream was that <clears throat> the sun, which would be Jake, um, Jacob, and the moon, which would be Rachel, and the 11 stars would be the 11 brothers that would all bow down to Joseph. That is the implication of the dream. Well, when the brothers heard about this, they were envious of him, but his father remembered the dream. The brothers were angry, but Jacob remembered the dream. 
Now his brothers went to feed their flocks of sheep, flocks in Shechem. And one day Jacob said to Joseph, your brothers are feeding the flock in Shechem. Come, I will send you to them. Here I am, said Joseph. Go then, said Jacob, and see whether all is well with your brothers and the flocks and bring me word again. So he sent Joseph out of the valley of Hebron and the boy arrived at Shechem. He was wandering in the field when a certain man found him and asked him, what are you looking for? I am looking for my brothers, he said. Can you tell me where they are feeding the flocks? They went on from here, the man said, for I heard them say, let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them in Dothan. When they saw him far off, even before he came close to them, they plotted against him and wanted to, wanted to kill him. They said to one another, Behold, here comes the dreamer. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into a pit. We will say some wild beast has devoured him. Then we shall see what will become of his dreams. But Reuben heard this and he said, Let us not kill him, shed no blood. Throw him into this pit here in the wilderness, but do not lay hands on him. His plan was to later come back by himself, get Joseph out of the pit, deliver him to his father again. Reuben was, I guess, the more reasonable of the brothers. So it happened that when Joseph came up to his brothers, they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors, which he was wearing. Then they took him and threw him into the pit. The pit was empty and there was no water in it. It was an old, an old well. Then they sat down to eat bread, but when they lifted their eyes, behold, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites arriving from Gilead. Their camels loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh, which they were carrying down to Egypt. Then Judah said to his brothers, What will we gain if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites. Let us not touch him, for he is our brother and our flesh. So Judah is having second thoughts, too, about this idea of killing uh, uh, Joseph. This satisfied the brothers. They lifted Joseph out of the pit and sold him, sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver, and the merchants took Joseph to Egypt. We see now the first sign that Joseph is going to become a type of Jesus Christ. He's going to become a figure, an historic figure in the Old Testament through which God is showing some signs of what he plans to do with Jesus Christ. And we see the first sign here in the fact that he is uh, sold for 20 pieces of silver. Of course, you know, Judas sold our Lord Jesus Christ for 30 pieces of silver. When Reuben returned to the pit, apparently Reuben had left the scene, but when he returned to the pit, behold, Joseph was no longer in the pit. Reuben had, had apparently was not part of this plot to sell him to the Ishmaelites. He must have left and come back. When he came back to fetch Joseph out of the pit, he wasn't there. So then he went to his brothers and said, this child is not there, and I, and I, where shall I go? 
It says that Reuben actually tore his clothes in grief. The brothers took Joseph's coat, killed a young goat, and dipped the coat in the blood. Then they brought the coat of many colors to their father, saying, We found this. Do you know whether or not it is your son's coat? He recognized it and said, It is my son's coat. A wild beast has devoured him. Joseph has been torn in pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes in grief and put on sackcloth and mourned for his son many days. All his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted and said, I will go down to the grave, mourning for my son. Thus his father wept for him. So this is the beginning of one of the most amazing stories in all of Scripture, the life of Joseph. And in Joseph, we see a theme of the prefigurement of Jesus Christ. We also see in him the theme that God will bless the person who makes up his mind to do what is right, regardless of what situation they find themselves. Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, who was an officer of Pharaoh and captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a favored servant, living in the house of his, of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him. In other words, his master perceived that everything that Joseph touched was blessed. Everything he put Joseph in charge of turned out really well. So Joseph found grace in his master's sight, and he was made overseer in his house, and all that his master had he put in Joseph's hands. The Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake, and the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. We see God's blessing given to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And this promise that Isaac gave to Jacob that whoever, whoever he blessed, whoever blessed him, he would bless, and whoever cursed him, he would curse, that God would bless Jacob and, and his descendants. We see this being transferred on to Joseph. Joseph had the blessing of God, and Potiphar saw this, so he put Joseph in charge of everything. Potiphar left all that he had to Joseph's hands, and he did not even know what he owned except the bread he ate. He completely trusted Joseph, put him in charge of everything. And the beautiful thing about it was that Joseph was perfectly trustworthy. He did not take advantage at all of Potiphar's trust in him. Now, Joseph was a handsome young lad, and when he grew up, his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph and loved him. The wife of Potiphar fell in love with Joseph. But he would not love her and said to her, Behold, my master does not even know what is in his house. He entrusted all that he has to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I. 
Neither has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. This is, again, God beginning to reveal his true plan for life, for humanity. Notice Joseph is treating a very sacred, the relationship between Potiphar and his wife. This is a revelation of God's true intention for, for humanity that one man, one woman be joined together for life in holy marriage. And Joseph, this is the first instance in the Bible where we really see someone verbalizing this principle in a very clear and, and uh, beautiful way. Then she went to Joseph's master. So Joseph, he kept himself pure. He, he um, did not allow this woman to seduce him. Then she went to Joseph's master and told lies about Joseph, saying, the Hebrew servant whom you have brought to us came into the house to mock me, and he fled as I lifted my voice and cried. She actually grabbed him by his cloak, and Joseph fled from the house, leaving his cloak behind. He ran away. He didn't try to, to talk her out of it or uh, make her happy or get along. He just fled. And we see that this is very important principle. In the New Testament, we hear St. Paul encourage us, flee sexual immorality. Sexual immorality is not something you want to play around with, not something you want to flirt with. Whenever you encounter a situation where you are tempted to sin in a sexual manner, flee from it, run away from it. And that's exactly what Joseph did. The Hebrew servant whom you have brought to us came into the house to mock me, and he fled as I lifted my voice and cried. When the master heard the words of his wife, he was angry and he took Joseph and put him in prison where the king's prisoners were kept and there he stayed. Second time, an injustice is done against Joseph. First, he sold into slavery by his brothers. Now he's put into prison and jail because of a false accusation from the wife of Potiphar. But what happens? He goes into the jail, and God continues to bless him. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and made the keeper of the prison think well of him. So the keeper of the prison put all the prisoners that were in the prison into Joseph's hands, and whatsoever they were, did there, he was in charge of them. <laughs> we see it's happening in the prison exactly what happened in Potiphar's house. Potiphar just turned his whole house over to Joseph. He didn't even know what he had in his house. Now he's put into prison, into jail, and the jailkeeper senses the same thing. He sees that the Lord is with Joseph. Joseph is very capable, and everything that he does is blessed. So he puts the whole prison in charge. He puts Jar Joseph in charge of the whole prison. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that Joseph did because the Lord was with Joseph. And whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper.
we find again this principle that no matter what situation Joseph was in, he had a relationship with God that helped him to get through every circumstance and not only get through it, but prosper in it, to prosper in it. And this is a beautiful principle. So while he's in the prison, a very interesting thing happens. Sometime later, it happened that the butler of the king of Egypt and his baker offended their lord Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. In his anger, Pharaoh put them both into the house of the captain of the guard into the prison where Joseph was held. The captain of the guard turned them over to Joseph and he looked after them. They stayed in prison for some time. Now one night, both the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt dreamed a dream, each of them a different dream. When Joseph came in to them in the morning and looked upon them, he saw that they were sad. He said to the men, why do you look so sad today? Now here again is another character of Joseph. He's in charge of this prison. He could have lorded it over these prisoners. He could have abused the prisoners. He could have treated them shamefully. He had the authority to do so. He was the captain of the prison now. But he noticed the trouble that these two servants were having. He noticed their demeanor and he asked them what was wrong. We have dreamed a dream, they said to him, and there is no one to interpret it for us. Interpretations come from God, Joseph said to them. Tell me your dreams. Joseph had some experience with dreams, didn't he? He had had those dreams back when he was back with his family. Joseph had a connection with God. Tell me your dream. So the chief butler told his dream to Joseph. In my dream, he said, a vine was before me, and on the vine were three branches. It seems as though it budded and the blossoms shot forth, and the clusters grew into ripe grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, so I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup, and I placed the cup into the hand of Pharaoh. Now, I'm not going to tell you the interpretation of the dreams today. We'll do that in our study tomorrow. Let me tell you about the baker's dream. When the chief baker saw that the interpreter saw, when the chief baker was listening in to, to the cupbearer and him telling Joseph about his dream, the chief baker said, well, I'm going to tell him my dream too. He said, I also had a dream, and behold, I had three baskets of white bread on my head. In the uppermost basket, there were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh, and the birds ate them out of the basket upon my head. So we have these two servants. Both of them have this strange dream involving Pharaoh, and they tell their, their dreams to Joseph. So tomorrow in our study, I will share with you what the interpretation of these dreams were. And then this will lead to a very important event involving the Pharaoh himself. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, glory be to Jesus Christ.